0: You're tuning into Specter Radio. Revisiting our favorite Star Wars movie moments and debating about scenes from the shows.
1: We're just three millennials trying to find our way through the galaxy through the eyes of the Jedi, clones, and the Sith.
0: I'm Wyatt. I'm Andrew.
1: My name is Alyssa and we are
0: Specter Radio. How long have you had these droids? About three or four seasons? They're up for sale if you want them. Let me see some identification. You don't need to see his identification. These are not the spoilers you're looking for. These are not the spoilers we're looking for. He can go about
2: his business. He can go about his business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Thank you, Ben Kenobi, for the spoiler warning. Again, this podcast contains spoilers and adult content.
3: a jedi knight the same as your father now the jedi are all but extinct help me obi-wan kenobi You're my only hope over a thousand generations the jedi knights were the guardians of peace of justice in the old republic before the dark times before the empire
0: We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you guys? Welcome back to Spectre Radio. And again, (laughs) if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. I am so pleased to introduce our guest speaker for this podcast, A New Hope, my uncle,
3: Ron Francis.
1: Yay! Welcome, Uncle Ron. Thank you so much for being on the pod tonight.
3: Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm very excited to be here and share my wealth of lifetime knowledge of Star Wars. And I don't all know what those, else to
2: say. All those video games and comic books are finally coming into play now.
3: Yes. Right. Well, comic books more than video games.
0: He likes to think he's been training for this his whole life. <laughs> Maybe he has.
1: All right, and now I'm kicking things off with the opening scroll. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, Rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy.
2: Thank you, Alyssa. All right, let's jump right into our first segment that we're calling Accessing the Archives. So my main one, which this is unfathomable to me. So James Earl Jones, who voiced Darth Vader in this. So he was picked because his voice is so deep. He was only paid. Yes. I can't believe this. Yes. A total of $7,500 for his two hours of vocal work. Do you know how much that translates
0: into now, though? Because I looked that up. It's like, if you put that in an inflation calculator, he made $34,479.17 in today's dollars
2: for two hours worth of work. Two hours of work, which that seems like underpaid just because of how prevalent his voice is. But then you like, he did two hours of work. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, but also I so I'm so glad you brought this up because I was literally talking about this with my parents last night because the episode of The Big Bang Theory that he was on was on cable and they were watching it and my mom was like, "Oh yeah, he's Darth Vader." And she was very proud of herself for knowing that. All oh, his voice. <laughs> and obviously, he says it during the episode, which makes it easy, but I was like, "Did you know that he was like severely underpaid for the first movie?" And she was like, oh, well, I'm sure that he made money off royalties. And I was like, no, that was in the later films. And I'm going to piggyback off your point because George Lucas made a similar decision where he was going to accept a lower salary, but he actually got the rights to the merchandising and really pushed for like the toys and action figures. And that was that was not very common at the time for movies to do that. Um, And so- one of my favorite parody movies that makes fun of Star Wars, aka Spaceballs, actually pokes <laughs> fun of pokes fun at that. If you guys yeah. remember, um, Mel Brooks has a scene where he's the the parody version of Yoda, which is yogurt, and um, he has like a little Yoda doll, but it's him as yogurt. You know what I mean? It's all the baby Yoda stuff all over again. Hmm. Um, Stay but tuned he goes, for our
2: Space Boss Exactly. That'll be coming.
1: And, you know, he goes, merchandising, merchandising. So I just thought that was really funny that they picked up on that as well. And Lucas made, you know, so much money from the film, obviously, but chose to take a gamble on that. So hopefully, you know, James recouped some of that money later on. Um, obviously, we just went through the roll up, is what it's called. I guess the official title, um, alternatively called the opening crawl. And that's actually an homage to the, the Flash Gordon films that, I saw you know, this. that George Lucas was obsessed with um, as a kid. And that's really what inspired him to write a lot of Star Wars. Obviously, you know, the whole hero, hero's journey, the hero's saga, that's like a whole other thing we probably don't have time to get into. Um, but I thought that it was really cool, even when um, talking about episode six, um, though one of the directors in the production was saying how they actually filmed that like on like paper you know and they had to like roll it up <laughs> as they were shooting it um, and they you know you could see every dimple and pucker like in the in the paper itself so it's it's really funny that we've come such a long way in the era of of the the opening scroll the opening crawl whatever we call it here. whatever
2: we call it no oh, my yeah. goodness
1: um of course i have some other behind the scenes stats here um did you guys notice towards the latter half of the film in the x-wing scenes when luke is behind the you know the cockpit that he had a busted blood vessel in his eye and like his face
3: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so apparently mark hamill when he was holding his breath underwater in the trash compactor scene he busted up a blood vessel in his face and it was in his eye as well as like the side of his face so when you see it um if you google it you can see like and i'll probably put it on social you can see his eye is like completely bloody and messed up um and that his face was like discolored i guess too because he burst a a blood vessel which i thought was crazy like that's that's dedication Yeah, where's oh, the stunt? Especially considering double. he took this
0: job because he didn't think it would go anywhere and he just wanted extra acting like, you know, experience. you know, coach coaching or experience. Yeah, exactly. So, not bad uh considering Incredible. he thought this would go nowhere.
1: And uh you know who else thought that? My next point was uh, mm-hmm. you know, Sir Alec, Alec Guinness once famously declared Star Wars as fairy tale rubbish. And, um, you know, he got the
0: sweetest deal of all. Right.
1: I was going to say, and speaking of money, he made 60 million from his cut of 2.25 percent of the film's profits. Because
2: wasn't he offered like just a flat like salary? And then he goes, no, I want I want a percentage of the
0: profits. Right.
1: right. Yeah.
2: Which back then was like three million dollars. But like overall
1: total, sixty million. especially a gamble for a movie you didn't believe in.
2: (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. And he's still getting paid. Wait, is he, is he still with us? I don't even know if he's still with us. I'm I pretty think sure so. he's dead. I'm pretty sure oh, he's dead. Okay. Yeah, he, so. he, he was pretty old in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
0: Um, those were a lot of my um, ones too, so that makes this a lot easier. I, I did pick up that uh Chewbacca's growl was a mix between a bear, a lion, a badger, and a walrus.
1: Yes, I always remember the walrus part. That makes me laugh.
0: And then the only other big one I got was um, so the trench run scene on the Death Star. Which a lot of people know this, um, especially if they're a fan of older films, was a heavy nod to the uh, 1954 film *Dambusters*. Um, mm. The it looks like if you if you watch the movie, which I watched in Intro to American Cinema in college, it's like it's like identical.
1: Mm. So I didn't know that. I'll have to go look at that.
0: righty. well, let's um, transition into uh, our new category for this, which is basically called. What Ron remembers from 1977. <laughs> it's wow. usually it's usually um, you know, what do we remember from the first time watching it? Which, you know, for the three of us, we'll be able to contribute. But most of this we're super excited is gonna be, you know, Ron's category. So please, Uncle Ron, take us so, away. So,
2: Ron, how old were you when this first came out?
0: Seven if years. You're old. you're
1: comfortable, you know, answering that. Wow, I don't mind. <laughs> Seven I'm years old.
3: I'm old.
2: So you're you're a product of Star Wars.
3: I am, as a matter of fact. Star Wars is the first movie I ever saw in the theater.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh, that's actually, such actually a cool fact. Movies. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. so great. What a cool thing to be again. able to say.
3: Yeah, it's like probably the best first movie ever. For yeah. real.
1: For real. And uh,
3: just, I remember so much from that time. It was just unbelievable. The lines for the t- tickets just went around the block. And when I say around the block, I'm not like exaggerating that there was a lot of people in line. It was literally there weren't big megaplexes back then. Right. Uh, most theaters were two or four screens.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, so all the theaters on Staten Island where I grew up. They only had it playing on one screen today. Oh, wow. It would be playing on like 10 screens and there'd be almost no weight. But back then. We started lining up at nine in the morning. We got our tickets at one in the afternoon for the four o'clock movie.
1: Wow. <laughs>
3: Dang. And it was just, it was crazy. It was an all day event and there were thousands of people in line and, and nobody was like upset about it. Everyone was like so excited to see this. They were willing to wait an entire day to, to get their ticket and get into that movie theater. And it was just, fantastic it actually kicked off my love of sci-fi um i've written a few uh sci-fi novels on kindle and uh that's oh, all cool. because of star wars um you know back in the early 70s there wasn't a whole lot going on we had star trek reruns from the 60s and those were okay but this kicked off my imagination like nothing else it was like wow. you know i never wanted to be kirk or spock for halloween i always wanted to be luke or han for yeah. For Halloween.
1: That's and such Han a was cool point. He
3: was a wise ass. Yeah. My dad, my
1: dad was telling me, you know, that was something that drew so many people in your generation to the story was Luke Skywalker was a farmer, an everyday guy. He wasn't big and tough and tan and handsome. I mean, I think so, but you know, not everybody was like, Oh, he's such, you know, the hero. He was a scrappy everyday kind of guy. And that's what was so relatable. Um, you know, he wasn't Clark Kent, right? Like he was an everyday kind of guy. Right. Is that kind of how you feel?
3: Yeah. And you know what? And and Han, even though he's a larger than life character, here's a guy who's struggling to make enough money to pay his right. port fees for his ship. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he didn't really have it all together either. I mean, the, the dude was a mess from that standpoint. Sure but that's one of the draws of the story is it takes all these relatable, kind of lovable loser kind of people and <laughs> exactly. puts them together and makes them awesome.
1: Right. Yeah, and I wanna um, bring up another point really fast while we were talking about the movie theaters. This was something that I found when I was you know, kind of going through the archives. Um, this film premiered in just 32 movie theaters on May 25th, 1977 and over the course of its run expanded to 43 um other you know theaters over the holiday weekend but in the peak hysteria it started playing across 1098 theaters an astronomical number back in the day if you compare it to now in 2020 um the numbers aren't like that much crazier we in america now only have about 5800 movie theaters so if you're thinking about the time like It was pretty much in every movie theater in the United States, right? Um, So I think that's just really cool, and um, you know, definitely speaks to the changes (laughs) in our time that now tickets are on your cell phone, and you know, you don't even have to talk to a human being and wait, let alone wait in the line. That's
3: crazy to me.
1: All day, yeah.
3: Kind of going from that to what we have now is just like unbelievable.
0: Well, the only thing we have have now is nothing. (laughs) Well, we have, the only thing we can compare it to is waiting in line for a new ride at like Disney or Universal. Right, right. Like the Avatar ride or the Harry Potter ride or the Star Wars ride. People will wait four, five, six hours for it, but it's, that's the only thing we have to compare it to. Like we don't, like you just said, the ease of technology makes it, makes it so much easier. Exactly.
3: Uh, I think Star Wars helped bring about a lot of the changes we have in the way, like there never used to be big event movies before Star Wars, there was just movies and some were better than others and some were more popular than others, but there wasn't the big event. When Star Wars came out, no one realized it was going to be a big event, but by the time Empire came out, everybody was waiting for it. Mm. This was like the summer movie event or whenever it came out, it was the movie event of the of the season. And that's kind of how everything is now everything's a big movie you have avengers then you have spider-man and then you have justice league and you have all these different movies that come out and everything has to be a big event and if it doesn't make a billion dollars they consider it a loss right and and this i think started that trend or at least helped to start that trend right
0: i didn't even think
2: about it like that but yeah i I would uh, i would agree with that now, Ron, um, with, with you being a science fiction writer as well, how hard is it you is it for you not to pull stuff that you've seen <laughs> in Star Wars to use and kind of plagiarizing your own your own stuff because of how well <laughs> because of, of, of how well like it's 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 gone over with with our um, society today,
3: right? It's 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 difficult because you know there's there's not a lot of things that haven't been thought up in sci-fi right you know from the mainstream to the utterly ridiculous and uh <laughs> you know and i've watched most of it
1: of course uh, was is it bad that, that could- you said utterly ridiculous and i pictured jeff G- goldblum's the fly so <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh
3: <laughs> what's that one that came out the city of a thousand planets um I forget. Oh, that.
0: I know what you're talking about. Uh the the Harry's character from the Spider-Man 2 with uh Andrew Garfield. Uh, he was oh. in it. I don't I forget what that kid's name is. I think he's oh, weird looking, but I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, he is.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I remember the City of a Thousand Planets, but I don't remember the title characters. But uh that movie was kind of ridiculous. Um it was based off like a seventies French comic book that actually Star Wars pulled a lot from that seventies oh. French comic book. On, um But you see stuff like that and and all these different things. And of course, there's great sci-fi like Star Wars and Stargate and um, Star Trek and basically all the stars. And uh, (laughs) so I've been watching that my whole life. So when I'm writing and I'm discussing like faster than light travel, it's so hard not to just say, yeah, they jumped into hyperspace. Right. Or warp speed, Scotty. And uh, you know, but we can't say that here because it's a Star Wars podcast. So we bring <laughs> up every other fandom. And we we bring do. Up we every do. Fandom. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I think Andrew said a joke about it being a red shirt not that long ago. Yeah. so you're you're in good company.
3: <laughs> so yeah, but um, I try to come up with things that I haven't seen in in uh, different movies and and add that. But even that, there's always elements you can take. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have a ship that cloaks well obviously you got that from the Klingons um you know and if you have uh, an AI that's you know sarcastic obviously you got that from Lost in Space (laughs) and uh, so you have all these different things so I think it's not so much a matter of not doing any of that it's more of a matter of doing it well so that's more of an homage than a copyright infringement
1: right exactly (laughs) exactly yeah i was just gonna say to comment on the the whole you know 70s moment in time i think nothing really um is the antithesis of that culture more than the disco version of the star wars theme that was a Billboard number one hit, by the way. It was a disco <laughs> crazed thing in 1977, oh and it was on top for two weeks in a row, and I just think that is so funny, and I love that version, by the way, if you haven't listened to it. It's freaking great. Um, I don't know why Andrew heard it. I'm assuming you heard it wrong, but... Oh, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: I, I heard it a very long time ago, yes. It's so
3: good. And they've Uh-oh. kept up with that, too. I've seen, like... DJs doing Star Wars theme nights and stuff. And they cut in all the Star Wars music into techno and stuff. I went to a uh, Comic-Con, actually Orlando, uh, MegaCon. And I was writing a book called Murder at the Con. So I went to a bunch of conventions to like, you know, get more information and more experiences. So I, I did everything. I went to the after parties and everything. Oh, cool! And one of the after parties was like this giant, Um, basically Star Wars dance party. Um, Oh, my gosh, wow. It was crazy. I mean, you're like talking about, you know, everything from Teletubbies dancing with pirates to (laughs) X-Men dancing with Stargate people. Sounds like a nightmare. uh, It was a random T-Rex grinding up on everybody on the dance floor. It was hysterical. I was like just standing back watching it. I'm like, this is just so fantastic. Because fandoms come a long way too, and I think Star Wars is a big part of that. Because it wasn't cool to be into Star into uh, sci-fi, especially right. you know I was I was uh, you know in high school I was on uh, on the varsity basketball team, and the guys on the team made fun of me for being into Star Wars. Like they legit mocked me all the time. Those
1: jerks. And, and now uh, they're probably into it as adults. Right. And, like, but I want to say cool. that doesn't
0: really change because that's exactly what I went through at yeah. the private school. I was in New York and this was in the 2000s. Like, you know what I went through. It sucks that, you know, kids don't change. But I mean, you were one of the cool kids. You were on the varsity basketball team.
3: And the funny thing is people might still mock things, but really they're mocking people.
1: Right, because right,
3: right. these movies are making billions of dollars. Yeah. So everybody's they're laughing watching.
1: all the way to the bank. <laughs> yeah.
3: And everybody's watching these things. Um, and it's funny. I, I look on Facebook and all the guys I went to high school with that I'm, that I still know. And uh, they're all into these movies now. Right. And every time I just want to be like, remember when you <laughs> knocked me right in front of Lisa. <laughs> you know you were such a jerk about it (laughs) but uh but really i'm just happier that they're into it now because the more people who are the more good sci-fi we get so i'm like not bitter about it but it opened the door it opened the door for Uh, these things to become cool event
1: movies right right besides
3: when was the last time that something other than a big sci-fi a big superhero or a big disney movie was really an event movie. It's been a while. Good
2: yeah, point. I'm only it's thinking like, Marvel and Star Wars.
1: Yeah, it's like all, well, I'm thinking, you know, anything sci-fi, you know, to your point, we have Twilight, we have The Hunger Games, we have Divergent, we have, um, what was the, the Maze Runner, right? Yeah. Like these are yeah. all, a lot of them are young adult, yeah. like science fiction books that turned into these smash chronicles, you know, sagas of movies. And, um, you know, that was invented by Lucas. It's episode four. And this is the first movie. Like, who does that? It's crazy. Lucas
3: does. That's,
2: that's who does it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: and the, the funny thing is, Lucas invented like everything. Mm-hmm. Star Wars was light years, so to speak, ahead. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Unintended light years ahead of everything on special effects. I mean, you know, growing up and watching movies on TV and watching sci-fi on TV, that was all cheese ball nonsense compared to the special effects in Star Wars. I mean, the sound requirements were so different from what had been in movies that George Lucas invented his own digital sound company, THX. And THX is basically what all movies use now. Yeah, It was invented because of Star Wars. Yeah, And so, I mean, it was so big on so many levels, and I, I think a lot of people don't always realize that.
2: Right. No, that's a good wow. point. So I, I have another question for our
3: resident old guy over here. Wow. So <laughs> <Stop. That's me. laughs> I'll be in adult diapers in a decade. Oh, please. So
1: I don't believe it.
2: You're, you're a product of the 70s and 80s. Obviously, you grew up watching and really appreciating the the rhythm trilogy. So, in your opinion, did the prequels ruin it for you?
3: The prequels didn't ruin it for me. There were two things in the prequels that almost ruined it for me. <laughs> and you could probably guess at least one of them.
2: Is it the dialogue? <laughs> the
3: dialogue uh,
0: it, in
2: episode two?
3: <laughs> it's it's a character that whose name begins with J and shall not be named. No. No.
1: <laughs> yes! Keep going. Oh my God. Gosh, this is the, the, horrible spill, the, tea, the spill the tea spill the tea one of Wyatt's favorite
0: characters is Jar Jar so keep going please <laughs> yeah.
3: he's literally the most horrible character in the history he was made specifically to be a children's toy
1: yes yes that is a, a big piece of what we talked about when we we
0: and Wyatt would still buy that children's toy
1: episode one. yeah so? <laughs> but I also yeah. found it
3: mildly offensive that like he was basically Jamaican, right? <clears throat> yeah, and he was so lame. I mean, if it was awesome, it'd be great that he was Jamaican, right?
1: He was awesome. If he was a cool character, but, but he was—he yeah. is a of cool character. <laughs> he was the butt of every joke. Why? Uh, Come on,
2: somebody has to the, be.
3: The second thing was uh, in—I think it was episode two when uh, when Padme and Anakin were frolicking mm. in the meadow.
1: I hate I that. I love that I part. Yeah, I hate those are that the parts so for the much. women and children, though, if we're fair. Even or my the mom romantics. thought that
0: specific part was cheesy. Like she didn't mind the rest of the romance parts, but she's like, she goes, oh, is this the part where they frolic? She's like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And she watches Hallmark 365 <laughs> days a year.
3: <laughs> yeah, if, if Hallmark addicts can uh call that scene ridiculous, it was just completely unnecessary. Hallmark addicts. <laughs> But other other than that, I, I, I liked it. I actually recently re-watched um episode one because I feel like I didn't I never gave it a fair shake initially, mm-hmm. just because Jar Jar was so annoying. But <laughs> but there was a lot of good stuff in that. Um I wouldn't say it's one of Star Wars bests by any means, but uh but it's it's not an abomination like some people think. <laughs> And by the time you get to the third movie, um I thought that was good. Oh yeah. You know, easily the best of the prequel trilogy.
1: For sure. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. You've slightly redeemed yourself from wow. dunking on my guy.
1: Yeah. Anyway. And, the, and the sequels, do you how do you feel about, you know, now that we have the the rest of the Skywalker saga? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Uh the, the sequels, it's it's hard because when um when episode seven came out. I liked it initially because it had Han and Chewie in it. And that's just my favorite movie duo of all time. And so I'm like, oh, Han and Chewie, this is so awesome. But when I go back and watch that, it's like the opposite of going back to watch the prequels. It's Mm -hmm. not quite as good as I thought Mm -hmm. when I came out of the movie feeling all warm and fuzzy. That movie was basically made to make all us old guys feel all warm and fuzzy.
1: (laughs) i believe
3: that and so i mean but there was there was a lot of good in that too there's not a lot i didn't like in any of the star wars movies and what are we up to like 12 now counting the cartoon clone Clone wars movie yeah does that make 12 yeah that sounds right and uh this i mean there was stuff i didn't like in you know the the uh, rise of skywalker is that the last one
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yep.
3: even remember the full name of these, <laughs> uh, but uh, like when all of a sudden they have the power to teleport a lightsaber from one person to another, and that's never explained. And, you know, Ray was just really such a Mary Sue. It was ridiculous. And people get mad online. I was having an argument with someone on one of the sci-fi websites. They're like, oh, well, you're just a, a white male who's challenged by a powerful female character. And I'm like, no, um, you know, I love Wonder Woman and Supergirl. I loved Alias. I don't think it's the powerful female character that challenges me. It's the poor writing and the no explanation right. of how she got these powers.
1: Right, exactly. And I think you can dislike a character without it being sexist. You know right. what I mean? It. I I think you can, you, can, you could probably say the same thing if, if, if it was luke right and he had all these powers and they weren't explained to us it's the same right. idea it's i mean it's they scary. did
3: half a movie yeah. of him training
1: right and exactly the
3: prequels was about how jedis are trained from like the time they're like two up until their 20s before they can even be on their own and then all of a sudden ray with you know met with luke for like a week uh and teleport a lightsaber across space and time.
1: Yeah, and maybe like, they'll they'll go back and give us some more films then and explain it, <laughs> as it. they it's love like, to do.
3: I felt like raising my hand in the movie theater, like,
1: uh, how? <laughs> Did we what miss questions? an episode? Right. He was
0: just like, is it possible to learn this power? <laughs> um, so, so more mom-
3: importantly, does it work with snacks? And
1: right that's, that's, yes. the, question. That that's the, question the question that everybody's been
0: waiting for yes so my question for you is um so like specifically about scenes in the movie what like stood out to you that you remember seeing even then that like you still have memories of like oh I specifically rem- remember this scene or him saying that like something that's like always stuck with you like as far as scenes from the movie from your first few times watching it
3: oh wow my favorite part was when han and chewie are on the death star and they're you know they just go crazy and start chasing those (laughs) stormtroopers and i'm like what are these guys doing but it was like so awesome because it's like you know these he's like the brash dude that everybody wants to be and I was seven years old and I'm like, that's who I'm going to be when I grow up right, right there. Right. He just goes in without thinking about it. And then all of a sudden there's like 500 stormtroopers there and they're running the other way. <laughs> I, I love bet, that part. That's I probably bet, one of my favorite parts. I
2: bet your parents was loving your thought of not not caring about anything and just doing whatever you wanted. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it seems like all my favorite characters are similar that way. But I loved Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. He was total. I'm going to do whatever I want. I loved Jack O'Neill from Stargate and he was a wise ass. Um, So it seems (laughs) to be those are the ones I've always gravitated towards, you know, even uh, Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, Mm -hmm. Shepard from Stargate Atlantis. They're basically all the same character. And I think that's who I've always wanted to be. But, you know, was never able to pull it off. But
1: to your point, Han Solo is that archetype and he's the original. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And Chewie as the archetype of like the faithful sidekick.
1: Right, exactly.
3: And uh you see that a lot too, because O'Neill had Teal, Shepard had Ronin, you know, and uh, all these different guys, they have their, their sidekick and, and, you know, but I think that was an archetype long before Star Wars though.
1: Right. Wow. Every wow. Disney princess had an animal best friend sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> what you call it, right? You know, I could name all of them probably. But... Robin
0: Hood, Friar
3: Tuck, etc. <laughs> so with Disney's purchase of Star Wars, does that make Leah a Disney princess?
1: I know, right? I think that's like the, the consensus on the internet. I don't think Disney is ever going to make an official statement because they typically, I don't know if you guys know this, but they typically do like a ceremony at Magic Kingdom with like the new character and they'll like induct her as a princess, and be like official decree by the kingdom of Wolf wouldn't Disney that World. make Padme their blah, blah, first blah. Disney
0: queen queen? Because oh, she's a, really a main question. character of the prequels. So because um, there, I mean, there are queens in Disney, but not as a main character. I yeah, mean,
1: there's not a. Well, yeah, there's Queen Elsa, but well, I mean, yeah, but I think, la- later on, yeah. and then Queen Anna. Spoiler alert! But um, yeah, oh, I, don't, no. I don't know.
3: You've just I don't ruined. Know. <laughs> whatever movie that was <laughs> that was frozen <laughs>
1: that's okay it's been out since 2012 so i i'm pretty sure right or 2014 whichever. i recognized elsa yeah I recognize that. yeah if you haven't seen it by now well the the spoiler warning has has expired you get like <laughs> six months on that right yeah but yeah that would be a completely different podcast but i i really appreciate you answering all of our our questions about uh what it was like for you back and, in my day. Uh, yeah <laughs> that's, that's why it would say you know, that, that's
3: that's one of an old guy's favorite things to do is reminisce about back in his day oh sure uh, you know yeah, any, my... anytime you need me to reminisce i can even throw on the old guy voice you know hey you kids get off my lawn <laughs> yeah. Right
1: perfect now. yeah just gonna like say my dad I always my says age, <laughs> right you cars <laughs>
0: I was right. about to say, how much of that was your childhood, getting chased off of somebody else's lawn, grabbing a basketball, a kickball, or a baseball? Oh
3: my gosh, literally, like, that's where that came from. Oh, me. <laughs> people exactly. were just freaks about other people stepping onto their <laughs> lawn. And it's like, yeah. stop yelling at me.
1: <laughs> it's regress. Exactly. It yeah. regrows. Whenever, uh, whenever my dad <laughs> tells us a story, it's when I was a young children- Ah, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And he puts on like this fake Southern accent because uh, he would go visit relatives, his grandparents out in Missouri. Oh, and wow. When I was a young children, I blah, 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 blah. And you're like, and I'm asleep. <laughs> um.
3: <laughs> well, my, my parents and my grandfather were definitely in the generation that remembered when I, you know, that invented When I was your age, I used to walk uphill to school both ways, you know. In the snow.
0: In the snow, right. And 98 degree weather.
3: (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, I heard all of that stuff like my whole childhood. So it's like, no, no. I go to the same school you went to as a kid and it's only uphill one way. That's funny. (laughs) Downhill is way easier and that's at the end of the day. So spare me your sob story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And speaking of downhill, we're like right in the middle of our podcast here. So we'll keep things going downhill. It's all downhill from it's here. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> right. We'll we're gonna <laughs> transition into our segment of the what if. So everyone is going to share a what if from the film and Wyatt is like bouncing in his chair, so excited. He was texting us in the group chat earlier saying, oh, mine is so good, but because I introduced the category, I get to go first, so he yeah, has yeah, to yeah. wait. All right. Um. So something I noticed when re-watching this time and especially even reading the opening scroll was um, there is, like, no mention of, like, Luke Skywalker or the Jedi. They mentioned the Rebellion, right? But there's, like, no real mention of, like, him as the, you know, main protagonist, right? So I thought that was really interesting. Like, they kind of lead you to believe, like, this is Princess Leia's movie. <laughs> and it is, in a way, but, like, not exactly. So um, the other thing I I realized was Princess Leia and Obi-Wan never meet. They never, ha- they never have a conversation. Um, they get to see each other, and she, you know, sends them a message in R2, but she never gets to meet him. So my what if is, what if Princess Leia and Obi-Wan actually got to meet? Um, Do you think they would have talked about the Clone Wars or her father, quote unquote, um, how Obi-Wan was there when she was born?
3: Yeah, do you think that the fact that he kind of delivered her means they met
1: (laughs) at some point? I mean... I don't remember the guy who delivered me, so <laughs> I don't know if I would count that. Um, we ran I would... into each other one time
0: <laughs> when when I was born. <laughs>
1: right, and like, um, you know, could he sense that she had the force, you know, because he can sense that in Luke and he wants to train Luke, but like, what is Leia chopped liver? Like that, I mean, obviously it's revealed way later on, so I think the answer is, you know, the Disney answer, but what do you guys think what do you think they their conversation would have been like or
0: he probably would have wanted to train her too like if he wanted to train farm boy luke who was a little whiny you know (laughs) he would definitely he would want to train this you know sophisticated put together politician who was also like low-key tough as nails for a 19 year old you know so i I think he would have been like all right this is uh this is the kind of criteria I look for when recruiting Jedi. Yes.
3: <laughs> I, I think he would have ditched Luke altogether. Ah, <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I love that answer.
3: <laughs>
2: I like that answer.
1: Yes. I was going to sure. Tashi station to buy some power converters. Right. Right. Like, oh, I mean, cringe. in all, in
3: all
2: fairness,
0: if I was born on like the worst planet in the entire galaxy of star Wars, considering all the amazing planets they have, uh, I'd probably be a little whiny about it too. And working with my, <laughs> you know, at a job I don't want to work at for another year?
1: That's just because you want to live on Scarif or Naboo. Uh, uh, Naboo. I would
2: love to live
1: on Naboo. <laughs> Space. Illness.
2: I don't think it would have changed the dynamic that much because he he even watched Luke from a distance, which means he probably would have done the same to Leia. Um, I think Leia would have been more receptive at first to, to go and train. Mm. But... Yeah. I don't think it would have changed that much, and then I think she would have got more cautious about it the, the later on. So, like, I'm picturing yeah. like if they would have switched roles, if Luke would have gone with Bail or Ghana and Leia went mm. to the, the home on Tatooine.
3: Right. And if Leia went to Tatooine, she wouldn't have been the politician and no. the well, like, put together general and all that personality yeah. right. that she right. had.
0: Yeah, it's it's a better it's a better dynamic for her to be the politician than him. I would I would say.
1: Right. And I, I don't think back then with the gender roles being what they were, you know, Aunt Brew was in the kitchen and <laughs> Uncle Owen was out there, you know, in the moisture farm. Right. Every time, so. every
0: time I hear her calling Luke, I think of the family guy, Star Wars.
1: Luke. Luke, <laughs> ah! <laughs> Yeah, the calling is a little, little annoying. But yeah, yeah I, I don't think, you know, that would have uh, necessarily worked. Yeah. To your point, it's uh, it, it would definitely make the story different. Um had they switched spots.
2: Right. My what if because I can't contain my excitement. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's hear it.
2: Hold on to your butts. No, what if um what if C3PO's memory was never wiped?
1: Ooh.
2: He talks entirely too much for
0: that to have been a thing, though. Like because I wondered that too. And I'm like, oh wait, he's almost like K2 about how everything that comes into his mind, he says, because he's literally like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Like, imagine he's like, oh, I remember that guy. I saw him on a top secret rebellion file. Oh, I just said that in front of Grandpa <laughs> Right, Target. he's, a, bad.
2: he's a, a very vocal <laughs> droid. I, I get it. Yeah. But, like, he would have put two and two together about Ben Kenobi. True. Um, He, you know, R2 was never wiped, but no one can understand binary, so no one can understand him except for um, C-3PO. right um
3: well if they didn't beep out everything he said you know, <laughs> <bunch of filthy laughs> droid.
1: yeah apparently he was supposed to speak english and then they were like no nope. binary it is pal
2: <laughs> and I, I like how his voice never changes it's the same from episode one all the way out
1: <laughs> exactly yeah that's a really good mm. one um
3: Ooh.
1: i think he definitely would have um been able to like appreciate his friendship with R2. And I think like when that whole, the when they sold the red R unit first, he, he probably like okay would have, he was like, that's fine. He was like, whatever. And then, it, you know, the thing like exploded and he was like, oh, this this one is a fine droid, sir. Da-da-da-da-da. And he was like selling it, <laughs> um, you know, and acting like they were old chums. So I think in a way he like maybe knew it, like in his heart of hearts as the tin man that he is. But, um, <laughs> you know, his memory was wiped, but I think he was, like, still drawn to his his buddy and maybe, like, recognized him in that aspect. But, yeah, I think he probably would have spilled the beans, to your point, even though he is very chatty. It's in his nature. You know, he's fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. If I could speak that many language, I would never shut up either, um, right? And I don't shut up as it is, so you guys are <laughs> lucky you speak that I don't. two languages. Do. <laughs> right, and I already speak two languages, exactly, so right so uh yeah i don't like
2: I don't do you how much do you was. think he would have spilled the beans to luke that vader is his father
1: no because oh, yeah, I, he, might, definitely.
2: He, he might not definitely. have known though
1: well because i think the other part they of it told is, everyone um, that
0: anakin died and they also told everyone that obi-wan died was oh, yeah. the official cover right, right. story so he i don't think he would have known
1: for the witness protection program on <laughs> Literally. tatooine, tatooine. Right? <laughs> But I, the other point I was going to make, even though he is, you know, a uh, you know, fluent in all these languages and a translator, he's a protocol droid. So like his job is to like have manners <laughs> and like do what's right. Right. So I don't think he's going to go around like spilling the beans on purpose. Um, but there, sometimes there's just secrets that are too juicy and you just can't keep them to yourself. And you're like, oh, my God, your dad's not dead. <laughs> he's lying to you. Right, Master Luke. Um.
3: Well, it's one of the funny things about doing the prequels after 4, 5, and 6 is that you kind of wonder, if you watch them in order, well, why doesn't Darth Vader recognize C-3PO? Yeah. yeah. Or
1: say like anything he built about it. Right. <laughs> they oh. retcon
0: that later with, like, a comic book where, like, he picks up uh, C-3PO's helmet, and or the, the head, rather, and, like, obviously sees that that's familiar and he's like, "All right, have this droid destroyed," because uh, he's trying to get rid of all traces of Anakin from you know within himself. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Like, why is Sir Alec Guinness a guy in his sixties or seventies playing a fifty-seven-year-old? Because uh, that's how old Obi-Wan would have been after you know between you know by the time A New Hope happens. So it's just well, one of those I've things. I've had a theory
3: on this that because Tatooine has two sons, you age twice as oh, fast. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure, but it's just Quiet like that's like my theory. It's, yes. it's one of those things where uh when things were written back then, things were imagined differently initially and then when he wrote the prequels, it was kind of low-key re-edited and reimagined. Right. So, what about your uh what if uh Uncle Ron? My
3: my my new what if Definitely stems from the rise of Skywalker because I want to explore that teleportation power. Like, what if Samuel L. Jackson had that ability? Oh,
1: okay. Mace Windu.
3: What if Miss Windu had the ability that Ray showed in episode nine? Um, That I arena mean,
1: scene would be way more cool. <laughs> if they could, could pass lightsaber. He could
2: teleport his hand back on itself
1: oh it's no, too, my <laughs> gosh. Sure.
2: i'm almost envisioning like dr strange like opening portals and just jumping through them at different different parts on geonosis that'd be
0: right, cool right
1: uh
2: he wouldn't have
0: died because he could you know obviously Live. control <laughs> his descent better Reality. Uh, on, on, down well, that would make
3: him like the most powerful jedi of all time i think probably because Papalteam blow him out a window, he could literally teleport himself right in back of Papal team sure, and his sure, head off. Sure, sure,
1: right. So right, that right.
0: would affect everything
2: up to, you know, everything after. Wow.
1: Literally, right.
2: <laughs> now, why yeah. did you pick um, Mace Windu out of every other Jedi that we've had? Probably because he was already Mace almost Windu the most... Was,
3: yeah, Mace Windu was already kind of OP to begin with. Okay. So to give him that extra ability... Right. You know, I think the only Jedi that I can think of that would be more powerful than Mace would be Yoda. I mean, even that I think would be a close call. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, I think definitely um Mace is a better lightsaber duelist because he was able to defeat Palpatine, whereas Yoda like basically tied him. He was right. also so,
1: significantly younger. So had that He's also going, significantly going younger and, him, and
0: but... taller. Uh, but
1: so. yeah, yeah.
0: So there, there are certain instances where, where, when he, you know, when he says size matters, not there are certain instances where it's just like, okay, but it would help in this case. (laughs) It would would help if you were about the same height as the person you're dueling. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That'd be really cool because you know, if he could do it across time and space, Mm -hmm. then he could just show up and screw with Palpatine at moments that Palpatine needs to not be screwed at and just completely ruin his life. (laughs) Even just (laughs) on a petty scale he be like hey remember the time you chopped off my hand you know you yeah, electrocuted me out a window oh you need you needed this uh you needed this board meeting to go well well it's not going to <laughs> and you're just every five seconds that's how petty i am so
3: <laughs> and i spent the you know entire trilogy waiting for samuel l jackson to drop an f-bomb I'm just saying. Right. Because he gets
1: one if it's a PG 13 movie. I'm on that team. I'm on that team.
0: (laughs) So I think the only PG 13 movie in the prequels was episode three. And I think we were kind of all hoping for Obi Wan to have that F word where, F you, Anakin. I have the high ground. You get one F F word per PG 13 movie. I was just going to say,
1: where would we put it? (laughs) If it wasn't from Mace Windu, it would have to
0: probably be Obi Wan's scene. That's a
3: new set. Obi Wan would never.
1: Huh? In the name of the Galactic Senate, you are effing arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez.
0: So my what if. Um. So when they're flying back on the Millennium Falcon toward Yavin after they just escaped the Death Star. And, you know, Han's bragging, oh, you know, that was that was pretty good. You know, uh, you know, he's, of course, blowing his own horn, tooting his own horn. And uh, Leia's like. They're tracking us. It's the only explanation for the ease of our escape.
3: Not this ship, sister. So maybe
0: (laughs) um, had he not been that full of himself, he would have been like, huh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. They have hundreds, if not thousands of TIE fighters in that space station and thousands of turbo lasers. And they sent four TIE fighters after us and did not shoot any one of their cannons at us. If they didn't want us to leave, we wouldn't have left. So because he's that cocky, they were able to track them to the rebel base. So what if just, you know, hear me out here, guys, this is a wild thought, but Uh what if she would have just like sent a text message encoded to the rebel base being like, Hey, can you meet us here with a ship? So we can dump the bug in the middle of space. And then the death star will come to the random point where they drop the homing beacon. And then they go back to the rebel base And they're not in immediate mortal danger. Obviously, it would have taken that suspense away of like, holy crap, they have like 30 seconds to do this or they're all going to die. But what if they would have actually, you know, done something smart?
1: Wow, yeah. And that
3: star probably would have blew up a couple more planets before they destroyed it. So. So Ham saved I, a couple full planets by.
0: You, you know, don't know that.
3: By, by <laughs> no, that himself. was
1: my thought too. Like I don't think that beacon's just gonna float out in space. It's gonna be gravitationally pulled somewhere, and then now it's on another planet, and bye not bye whole popula- population. Complete the be- genocide. The beacon
0: Obi Wan threw on uh, on Jango Fett's ship would not. It's just a little small thing. So yeah. I, I think it could just float in space. I think it would be. It could be used as a cool trap. The Death Star is about to show up. Okay, we found mm. the Rebel base. Mm. They show up. There's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, all the X-Wings come out. So they're like, all right, even if we don't get it on the first couple runs, Yavin 4 is not behind us, so we don't have to worry about how right. long this could take.
1: But they, Would they just track towards the beacon, or would they look at the coordinates to see what planet is there? Because right. then they're or always they like, could, set course for blah, blah, blah. They and, could dump you it know.
0: on an uninhabited planet star system. There are probably thousands of those in the galaxy. Mm. That's a- I feel no, but- like
3: in a lot of these movies, the bad guys are just like really dumb, but yet somehow they're <laughs> smart enough to invent all of this technology. Good lord! But yeah. Then they're too dumb to use it properly.
1: Well, to your point, they had to get a good guy to build the bad technology, <laughs> yeah, and then they had
0: to get Galois he- to build it exactly.
1: True, and then he put true. a trap in there to be like, "See you later." Well, <laughs> <Galen laughs> so and
0: the entire population of genotians who were eventually wiped out. Church but yes,
1: dead. right, 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 right. <laughs> Exactly, can't forget that. Can't forget. Oh yeah, that. And then my other thought was like, how how would that work? To like, where are they going to put the Falcon? Or they're, if you're getting into a new ship, or you're saying they're going to find this beacon, take it off, and then, I don't know. That's, they, they, yeah, go yeah, that's in, super, they go that's in. They go a, a ship's super That's
0: super tricky. What they go in the ship's hangar? They take the beacon off. They throw it out the airlock. They <laughs> hyperspace away. Call it a day.
1: <laughs> they put it in the escape pod, and they're like, see ya. See ya. <laughs> yeah, that that I would that 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 theory I can buy it. Obviously, too, to
0: would have by. changed the entire tone of the movie. All of the like, holy crap, holy crap! Are they going to do it? They're going to do it. Oh, good, they do it. Like, obviously, it would have taken right. away a lot from the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: if you like look at it, it's like, why didn't they do the smart thing? There are probably millions of people on Yavin Four who are about to die. Right.
2: So, right. Well, this us transition into our final segment, one that we still can't figure out what we're going to name. Um, but it's our highlights, our best and worst parts from this movie. All right, me, I absolutely love World War II movies, and to break it down even smaller, I love dogfights. You know mm-hmm. where the where the airplanes are, you know, fighting in in the sky. Yeah. So the sequence when they're doing their bombing run on on the Death Star, and how all the fighters are kind of just like dive bombing and kind of all swooping down and together that's exactly how um fighter pilots are trained
1: mm-hmm.
2: and george L- lucas knows this because he studied these movies when he was writing the scene to see how he wanted to portray this fight to make it as realistic like as a military operation as possible okay um so i like that as far as my my dislikes It's got to be honestly the same type of scene. So, to be more specific, it's the names of these of the pilots. What? (laughs) So, are you talking about like Porkins? Yes, we got Porkins, (laughs) Biggs, Wedge.
0: Hold hold on, hold, 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 hold on. Wedge. What's wrong with Wedge? Yeah. And be respectful. I mean, I know they all died, but Biggs was Luke's friend. Be respectful. He almost had two more scenes in the movie. That they cut
3: out.
0: Seriously, but, he
2: was in like two more scenes and they cut him out. But why did they get why did they have to give Porkins the large guy? Why did he <laughs> have to be Porkins? I mean,
0: I feel like we low-key touched on this with our episode one pod about why they make certain decisions Spiritized based on what that. people look I like. Mean. And it also was the 70s. So <laughs> if if the guy who's portraying True. Porkins is okay with this. At that point, I mean, as still is not great as it is. Right. It, there's not much we can do about
1: it. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, the main character's name is Luke. The director's name is Lucas. I don't know. I think there's a whole little thing going on there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's a good point, though. I, I'm personally a Wedge Antilles fan. Yeah. I, I also have read a lot about Wedge Antilles in the Expanded Universe. So, but I do understand these names are... But, I mean, I guess when you're creating a universe that has, like, trillions of people in it, you, you you can't be picky. Just Porkins, Wedge, and Biggs you had a problem with?
2: And then John D. is the normal name. Either way, that's my... If that's my only spoof yeah. of this movie... That's a good point. ...is names of the pilots. I guess. <laughs> I mean, y'all have heard me on previous podcasts, if if you're caught up to this point. I, I get pretty technical and picky about movies, so... That's true. If, if that's my only thing then I think this movie did fairly well with me. That's a good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um this is definitely to the surprise again of no one that my favorite moment is the binary sunset scene. Um
2: I almost (laughs) picked that but i think someone (laughs) else is gonna have that. Very
1: nice beautiful scenery,
0: beautiful score. I hear you the music surging behind there's
1: more. Right. Like there's there's more right there's so much significance to that scene that's not just like it being pretty and it being a sunset and the music and whatever. And like, yeah, that is a lot and it adds to it. But I think there's so much to be said about just like a young person looking off anywhere. I mean, it's definitely way more magical <laughs> that it's a sunset, let alone two sunsets Um that, you know, he is sitting there dreaming and thinking about this journey that he has this this dream to have an adventure right and he wants to go off and be a pilot and he wants to be a hero and he wants to help people and he wants to do so many more things than just be a moisture farmer for the rest of his life
3: Mm -hmm. um which no one can
1: blame him for so I think for me, it's always so much more emotional because there's just there's so much that lies ahead of him at that point. Mm -hmm. And you can just feel that like longing in your gut from him. You know what I mean? He he does that scene so perfectly and there's no dialogue. It's all just the way that he looks at the horizon um, that just, you know, everything else is is after that, right? You know, even though right. we're like in in the middle of the films. <laughs> like everything else is after it.
0: Um, yeah, but I mean, to your point this movie did come first. So, I agree it's a right. that's that's a lot of significance yeah. I didn't think about. And like that. And there's just
1: yeah, there's just so much I don't know. There's just so much emotion in that scene and 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 that sunset holds so much power in that universe. Yeah. Um, you know, it we get to see it come full circle when Ray goes back on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, um, it just holds so much weight. And- I was
0: about to add that if you, yeah. if you I was like, if she doesn't say oh, it, yeah. I'm gonna say it.
1: No, of course. I so mean that's how
0: that's how the there the Star Wars universe starts is, like you said, Luke looking into the sunset, about to set out into a larger world. and that's how it's ending. She's staring right. into the sunsets about to move right. on into a larger world. So that's, that's a really right. good point, Alyssa.
1: And saying that she's a Skywalker that you guys love.
0: Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. You guys see that <laughs> oh, meme for I'm that? I'm so
1: proud of you. Have you we know,
0: seen that? Are you kidding me? No, the meme for that, where of she course. says that, and it just replaces yeah. Luke and Leia's faces with Dwight's face. Mm-hmm. He's like, identity theft's not a joke, Jim. Oh, my
1: gosh. Anyway, back to some emotional points, because I wasn't done, but thanks for You're ruining welcome. the mood.
0: You got Give it. Anytime anything
1: Um, for you uh yeah the other point that i had was um there was a whole tiktok on this so hopefully i can find it and send it to you guys but there was a whole tiktok on um old ben kenobi um having that smile when he looks over in that final sequence when he's fighting vader and he smiles and a lot of people were like oh he's smiling because like um he sees luke and he's like watch this uh, but there's, like, this theory online and on TikTok that he's smiling because he finally gets to see Luke and Leia reunited. So that's the theory I'm going with in my brain because it just makes me go, like, oh, like, I love that. Um, wow. He's, like, that's at really peace. Good. That's the mission that he needed to complete was not only to protect, you know, yeah. Luke, but also protect Leia. And now he gets to see them be reunited. Um, wow. And awkward enough that, like, He can't be like by the way that's your sister yeah
2: awkward enough that they're kissing Um, and
1: she kissed his cheek take it easy but
0: in episode five then in episode five it was But like you guys
1: might not appreciate this but like i don't know about you and your sister wyatt but like when my brother and i were small and even sometimes now as adults we will like kiss on the lips and it's never like an intentional thing where it's like mm, romantic stuff yeah which obviously is like what they intended it to be in in the next movie. But um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with some affection to your loved ones. And like, I'm Hispanic. So like we kissed, we kiss everybody. So like, that's just <laughs> normal. But <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that scene definitely holds a lot more significance when you kind of think of it from that perspective. And then the other thing that blew my mind that I so never noticed, but really appreciated as an adult was all of the left-handed people. Like, if you go back and watch, first of all, Aunt Brew is left-handed, which I never realized. Um, Luke is also left-handed. So Mark Hamill is left-handed, but Luke Skywalker fights right-handed. So he wields his blade with his right hand. But when you watch him, like, pour the blue milk or, like, eat the stew or Maybe he's ambidextrous. Well, I looked it up online because I was okay, like, okay, I don't wanna make enough. a claim that he's left handed and be wrong. Um so they were saying like when he fights, he fights right handed and when he eats, he you know, he's eating with okay. his left hand. So there were a lot of stormtroopers, I think, that, that were left handed too. Right. And that was another point I was gonna make, but um I think, you know, in order to be ambidextrous is he's fighting with both hands and he's only Herd, okay. one, right? So,
0: uh I mean and like I guess that would be the requirement. I, don't know. I I know people that like when they play baseball, some can throw righty and bat lefty and they're considered right. ambidextrous, but like, yeah, yeah. I guess there's different levels to it, to your point. Yeah,
1: I don't know the exact what, le- but I'm a left-handed person. I don't know if you guys remember that about me, but, mm-hmm. um, we I remember I'm always like, oh my God, another lefty. And you get so excited because there's only like 12% of the How can we forget? That's... You bring
2: it up every time.
1: I know. And the I... fact that
0: you're a redheaded uh, left-handed person.
1: But like you said, Andrew, most of the stormtroopers are left-handed. And this was actually because of how the weapons were constructed. And mm-hmm. they're based on a real weapon where the magazine is on the left side. So yeah. the construction caused that magazine to hit the troopers in the chest. So therefore they have to switch their grip that actually makes them look left-handed
0: okay yeah i didn't know specifically about that gun but i did know that most of the firearms used in star wars are like remodeled or refurbished like world war one world war two and vietnam weapons yeah so i thought that was really cool
1: exactly yeah and then of course like all the quotes like i say every time there's there's so many we had so many to choose from for our spoiler warning today um but I even love like the end. This is not exactly a scene or like a quote that you'll you'll uh, recognize or say all the time. But like after the trash compactor scene, when Han and Chewie get out and Han is like, Chewie, come here. It just made me think of like every time I try to give my dog a bath and I'm like, Roscoe, <laughs> come here. He's like running away.
0: Or if I accidentally um, step on my dog's uh, foot and no. she like goes, oh, ah! and then I'm like, no, 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 come here. Let me I'm love you. Sorry. Zoe, come here. I'm right, sorry. Zoe,
1: no. <laughs> right, exactly. And that kind of leads me to my, my worst, um, after the trash compactor scene, they obviously needed to hire, if not rehire and like fire the person they had who was in charge of continuity. So do you guys know what a continuity, continuity director is? Have you heard of that? Why do you know what that is? Negative. So continuity director is basically somebody who's making sure that like everything follows in the sequence that it should in the movie. So like you have a, a star, lot of the times, yeah, yeah a lot of the times scenes are like filmed out of order. So like you can see in certain scenes after the trash compactor that like Princess Leia's hair is perfect and her makeup is perfect and her clothes aren't wet or dirty. And then it'll cut to another scene and her hair will be like all over the place like that. Like I just mm-hmm. messed up my hair. Mm-hmm. And then other scenes show like it'll be fine. So like they didn't have a continuity director I don't think, or they didn't have a good one that was like, okay, they should still be wet because they just got out of the trash compactor and they were in like three feet of water, right? So um, that that just kind of bugged me because at first like they were doing pretty good and then they cut away and then they're like completely dry, not covered in garbage and dirt anymore and like Chewie should be soaking wet for like the rest of the movie like how basically. good is the air
0: conditioning on the Death Star the yeah that like he had quickly. to like
1: jet out with the door open or something so sometimes but- in
0: some movies you'll see like someone has like a scar under their left eye but in another scene it'll accidentally be under their right eye that would be what a continuity director is supposed to yeah so right. ev- like you said evidently theirs was not very good
1: no yeah um, then there was another quote that did not age well for me. And I know like that was the whole point of of them probably saying it was Luke going, that's okay. I'm never coming back to this planet again. <laughs> and
3: Psych.
1: you're like, hello, you're going to be relieved. buried here, son. Like basically. <laughs> um, and then last, but certainly not least, I'm so glad they fixed this in episode nine. Do you guys know what I'm going to say?
0: Uh, there's really no telling
1: what you don't know
0: i what's the major
1: just... plot hole problem whatever we want to call it that they fix in episode nine that happens at the end of this movie
0: oh they gave Chewie a medal
1: they finally gave Chewie his freaking medal thank <laughs> god like he didn't just like sit on the ship during the mission he was this freaking gunner and helped so much like don't there was,
0: there was a comic that like it wasn't an actual star wars comic it was like a, a parody of star wars comic but it, like it took place in star wars it was like these two random guys who <laughs> like are kind of like in every important thing in star wars and they just happen to be like bouncing through so they they're rebels who get back to yavin 4 after the rebels have been evacuated and they're like dude they, they didn't wait for us and then they find Chewie's metal on the floor but they don't know who Chewie is <laughs> so they're like no. who's chewy they're like is this a food <laughs> like they, they didn't oh know God. Yeah, the, the comic book was called Tag and Bink, and those are the two characters' names, Tag and Bink, and, like, they, they, it starts out they're like Padawans in the Jedi Order, and they're, like, feeding Anakin lines when he's trying to flirt with, with Padme, and then they're just like, where did you get I hate sand from? He's like, I got nervous, I choked. So when he goes to slaughter the Jedi Temple, he goes, you guys helped me, you know, land my wife, so I'm gonna erase your minds so you're going to forget that you were Jedi and you're going to leave. So they later become rebels and then they're in the the original trilogy and they just keep like fumbling through the main events. It's 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 a very funny comic. I'll have to get it and send it to you guys.
1: Yes, please. The amount of knowledge you have on not only Star Wars but all of these parody items. <laughs> the limit it's, does not exist.
2: It's paying off now, Andrew. It's paying off now.
3: All righty. Well, I think, you know, my favorite part of Star Wars uh was the Millennium Falcon. It was oh, just yeah. so cool. And as a seven-year-old, you're looking at this thing and everybody's calling it a hunk of junk, and you're just like, no, no, seven-year-old <laughs> me still is like, no, that's the coolest thing of all time.
0: That's gonna be my first car and my last car.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and uh so I just I I loved watching it fly. I loved Um, all the inconsistencies with the actual inside of the ship and the way they were able to move around it, which shouldn't have been possible. Right. Um, But it was it was just such a great set piece in the movie. And uh, I mean, seven year olds don't think like that. Really. All I was thinking was this is freaking cool, you know, and uh, and then on the same, you know, sort of wavelength was just how whiny Luke was,
1: was my worst (laughs) part.
3: Um, as even as a seven-year-old, I'm like, why is this dude such a whiner?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's
3: complaining about everything. And uh, so, you know, even when he finds like three people all torn up by the same people, he's like, what a mess.
1: It's like, come <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> I would be like, oh um, my but, God, but, he's murdered. Like, not like, oh, <laughs> shucks.
3: <laughs> like yeah. he was. And, but, but I think it also shows a lot shows a lot of character growth for Luke oh, that for he sure. started out as so like whiny and useless and you know wound up saving everything. So, so there's, you know, at least that, you know, ends up good, but that's definitely the part I like least.
0: Yeah. I hear you uh, on that. Cause what a lot of people don't realize is like, I tell people that I grew up on the original trilogy and they're like, haha shut up, sit down. Uh, you know, you're, you're 26, 27 years old. And I'm just like, well, I was introduced to star Wars a year or two before the phantom menace came out so guess what i was watching the original trill o g for those of you playing at home um so i grew up i probably watched the original trilogy a few times before the phantom menace came out so that was just like further icing on the cake that actually came out because like you know i was five or six and my my parents they're just like hey so this is like you know, taking place way before, so that's that's young Obi Wan Kenobi and that's young Darth Vader, and I was like,
3: whoa, you know. <laughs> so, but you know,
0: I I remember like being it's just hella blown away, like because I I loved the special effects. I still do. I still think that they're damn impressive for you know the '70s, especially. Like they hold some, up. Sure, there are some movies now that don't have as good as special effects, and like this is now. Like if you have an iPhone, you should be able to do better. But like, it still holds up. <laughs> And I, I, the part earlier when you were just like, yeah, when Han charges those stormtroopers, I always thought that was weird. He shoots the first guy in the patrol, and then the stormtroopers run because they're like, holy crap, this maniacs yelling and chasing us!
3: Ah! Yeah.
0: And he's got a Wookiee. <laughs> I always thought that was so cool. And like you said, the Millennium Falcon, I always love the roar of those engines. But that that X wing trench run always stood out for me, and I, I always love the Moss Eisley cantina because you get to see the, all the different kinds of aliens, and it just kind of shows how big the galaxy is. If in this backwater planet, this random, you know, cantina that, you know, you know space pilots do go to, but it's like, it's that diverse in like, you know, the middle of Phoenix, Arizona, for instance, it's like, wow, right, like, right. imagine how big this universe is. So that was, that was what I always remembered. And that, those were my favorites. And um, I mean, because I I saw it so young at the time, I didn't have any least favorites. But now, again, it's probably the the Tashi station to pick up some power converters uh, nonsense (laughs) of of him whining. And then...
3: um, Just him moping while he's playing with his little spaceship in in the barn. Yeah, oh yeah.
0: Well, yeah, especially when you compare that to the fact that when Anakin was like half his age, he uh, rebuilt an entire protocol droid and was <laughs> fixing up a car to go car racing for money and freed himself from slavery, essentially. Oh so it's just like, you didn't exactly live up. But then but then he blew up the Death Star and saved the galaxy. So, you know. Just
3: call him a late bloomer.
0: God, yeah, call him a late bloomer. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, well, I was just going to comment really quick and say that I think it's really cool that, Ron, you kind of shared your story of seeing this when you were seven years old. And Andrew, you were just saying how you were exposed at the same age. And obviously, you know, that's that's just kind of the moment coming full circle in your family, which is literally the majority of all of our guests here on Specter Radio is just Andrew's family. So um, <laughs> I just think that's super cool. I just realized that as you were sharing.
0: Well, thanks, Uncle Ron. I appreciate you coming on. I, I know you gotta go. Uh, so what I didn't tell you guys is that uh, my Uncle Ron's actually a member of Rogue Squadron. And he's actually gearing up right now for a mission. So he's got to hop in an X-wing and blow crap. So go black, go blow up some crap. So he's got to go. I appreciate you coming on Elkaran. Did you have Yay.
3: fun? Thanks for having me. I had a blast.
0: All right, man. Have a good one. Right,
1: Thanks care, for guys. joining us.
0: Alrighty. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for, uh, this podcast of a new hope. Um, you know, of course I love this movie. We all do. And, uh. You know, we're super, super excited for our next one coming up. Um, And it's going to obviously, flowing through, is going to be Empire Strikes Back. And we have yet another special guest, which will be announced at that time.
2: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode.
1: In the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Spectre underscore radio and on Facebook as Spectre Radio.
0: Be sure to submit your questions via social media for a chance to hear us answer them on our upcoming segment, Consult the Council. This is Spectre Radio, signing off.